Hello again. You're listening to the News at One. Thonishta and Minister of Foreign Affairs Michal Martin has this lunchtime said the government is in no doubt that the bombardment of Rafah would constitute a war crime. Israel has said that there was a wave of strikes on the city last night to accompany a mission in which two men kidnapped by Hamas on October the 7th were rescued. The liberated Israeli hostages, 60-year-old Fernando Simon Marman and 70-year-old Louis Har, were both described as being in good medical condition by Mr Har's son-in-law. A lot of tears, hugs, not many words, just being together, surrounded by the family and surrounded by our beloved people that were without us for so long, more than four months. We were so happy to see them. Mentally, they look okay. Physically, they look okay. But I'm sure that, you know, we're going to have ups and downs. 67 Palestinians were reported killed during the operation in Rafah overnight, a city in southern Gaza where 1.5 million people are currently living, many in tents, having been displaced because of the war. Michal Martin told our reporter Jenny O'Sullivan that carrying out a military operation in such a confined space is inhumane, unacceptable and will create catastrophic conditions. I'm in no doubt and we are in no doubt uh, but that uh, the uh, and it, uh, continued bombardment on Rafa will constitute uh, a war crime uh, and would certainly, uh, in my view, gravely um, violate international humanitarian law. We're looking up now at what is the largest refugee camp in the world in terms of about one and a half million people in, in, in Rafa. Uh, they cannot be displaced safely. Uh, to bomb and to mount a military operation in such a confined area uh, with so many people uh, is absolutely inhumane, unacceptable, and the international community must do everything it possibly can to uh, um, put the pressure on Israel not to proceed um, with this invasion. It, 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 it is very, very serious. It will create catastrophic uh, conditions uh, for what, on top of what are, are already dire situations for families and for uh, civilians in, in Gaza. Despite international kind of appeals, the Israelis proceeded last night. We have to keep the pressure on. I mean, it's it's it's. I, I take your point, um, but it's unacceptable uh, what is happening, and we have to do what we can, uh, which we will through the various fora that we are members of, particularly the European Union and and and, and the United Nations, um, and um, working with the Arab nations as well, um, and making it very clear to Israel that we view this as a violation of of of, of uh, international humanitarian law. Thomas and Michal Martin speaking in Cork this morning. Well, I'm joined here in studio by the Israeli ambassador to Ireland, Dana Ehrlich. You're very welcome to the studio and thank you for coming in to, to speak to us. Me. What's your response to what we've just heard there from Michal Martin? The military operation in Rafah is necessary in order to continue the release of the kidnapped and eliminate Hamas. And what we've seen is tragic what's going on in Gaza. And we need to make sure that we hold the correct people accountable for that. The tragedy of this war that started on October 7th by Hamas is this cynical playbook by this genocidal terrorist organization who are not just terrorists, they are cowards. They are cowards for targeting civilians and hiding behind their own civilians. There are 1.5, 1.7 million people confined, crammed into this really very tiny area of Rafa now. It is the last civilian refuge, the last relatively safe place in Gaza, although the point is made that nowhere is safe in Gaza at the moment. Um, what happens to those people uh, once this Israeli ground invasion begins? 
No place is safe in Gaza because we've seen what Hamas has done out of Gaza. Since we left in 2005, they have built an underground infrastructure of terror in those tunnels who are reaching everywhere. And we've seen what they've done above ground, um, embedding themselves in hospitals, okay. in mosques, okay. in schools. I'm sorry, but I'm asking you if and when, I presume this ground operation will get underway at some point in Rafa. That, that is the case, is it not? We're committed to international law, and as we've done so far, every place that we've targeted, we've done it in a very calculated way with announcements beforehand. Mm -hmm. We've asked people well, to we'll evaluate. Come we'll, come, we'll come back to that, but I, my question is, what happens to the 1.7 million people in Rafa when this Israeli ground operation begins? It depends where. We've, we usually announce beforehand, either they go to the north, either they go to Khan that's Yunus. where they've come from, Ambassador. Many yes. of these people have, been, have, been, have moved several times Because this, this operation is evolving and developing. Right now, we are eliminating the battalions of Hamas. 17 have been eliminated out of 24. We're making progress mm -hmm. in eliminating this threat, not just for us, but also so for the Palestinians. So where do these civilians, these Palestinians go? Right now, they're not given, uh, what we've done previously is give clear instructions of where to evacuate, and this is what we'll also do now. But what but we've where, seen... Where is left to go? What we've seen is that we're damned when we do and damned when we don't. When we tell them where to evacuate, then we are condemned for telling them to evacuate. We don't want to see any more civilians get hurt. There's no need for anyone else to die. This can all end if all of the kidnapped will be released by Hamas. This can end tomorrow. This can end today. The freeing of Fernando Marmon and Louis Ahar undoubtedly a, a huge relief uh, for them and their, their families. But was their release achieved at the cost of 67 Palestinian lives? In this, what the Israelis themselves, what you yourself described as an operation, an aerial operation, which provided cover for the, for the freeing of these two men. Why are you so quick to believe Hamas numbers? Why are you okay. so quick to believe the information given by Hamas authority? Right. I wouldn't be so quick because that is only the information we have. Right. I wouldn't rely well, on it. we take your word for the numbers who died on October 7th, for example, don't we? We're a democratic yeah. country yeah. Well, and this is a okay. genocidal terror organization. Right. So, really well, there are some reports that say that many more than 67 died, but, but there were certainly casualties, dozens of casualties, I think you'd accept that, in the operation they overnight. They were held was, was, in was a building done, was that done in Rafa. Cover? They that? were held in a building in Rafa, mm -hmm. embedded in civilian uh, population, but also protected and guarded by many terrorists, many Hamas terrorists. So right now, what we see is how Hamas is embedding themselves in that population. So are you saying that, are you saying, can you say that the, the, those who died overnight were, were, were all combatants? Were all involved, yes. Absolutely no civilians? Well, could, I don't do have you know the exact the numbers. No. I don't have the exact so numbers. Know. Of course, no. But what we're saying is that the numbers that Hamas are so quickly dismissing and publishing are not correct. Well, and well, also what we need well, to understand, these two that were released, one is 70 years old, the other is 60. They lost half of their body weight. They didn't receive any of their medications. Mm -hmm. We don't know the rest of the kidnapped held in Gaza. We what don't know do what their conditions are. From the people who are alive, there are toddlers there, there are women there, there are reports from people who came back telling horrible things what, of what the women are going through there, okay. sexual violence, what the children are going through there. So we need to 
put a stop to that. You don't accept the Hamas or you question the Hamas casualty figures. Uh, Let me put to you what Amnesty International has been saying just recently. They they investigated four Israeli airstrikes, three in December 23 uh, and one in January of this year. Uh, There were at least 95 civilians killed in these. This is from from Amnesty, including 42 children. This was in this was in Rafa. And what they found is that there was no indication that the residential buildings hit could be considered legitimate military objectives or that the people in the, mil- the buildings were themselves military targets. And the Israeli military failed to provide effective or indeed any warning before launching these attacks. That's just four attacks, uh, uh, Ambassador. Uh, excuse me for questioning Amnesty as well as other UN organizations. We've seen UNRWA who are directly involved, not just with the October 7th incident. We've seen that 10% of the, our UNRWA employees are connected to Hamas. We've seen Sorry, that Ambassador, military... would you like to address the question I asked you? Do you accept the findings of this Amnesty investigation in which there was no warning given and in which there were significant civilian casualties. We need to make sure what military target was aimed at, at that uh, attack specifically. Well, uh, and Amnesty, any let me accusation help, I can of that. help you with that because Amnesty reviewed the war diary which is published by your own government, by the Israeli military on its official page and there was no reference to any of the four strikes. Are they sure that it was an Israeli start uh, strike and not a failed launch by Gaza rockets? Right. Is, is that how you account for 28,000 Palestinian dead? Failed we, Gaza? As a democratic Hamas country, rockets? every strike that we take, we take very seriously. Everything is analyzed. Everything is thought of. We act according to international law. It is not something that we say lightly. And I know that a lot of people here use legal terms sometimes too lightly. We take it very seriously. Any accusation, like the accusation that we had with a hospital, we analyzed it, we verified it, we checked it. All of that, all of these accusations are processed and made sure we check all of this information that we have. We're not quick to answer. We're not quick mm-hmm. to give false information. We are a responsible but you see, country. You see, you see, Ambassador, the International Court of Justice has found that Israel has a case to answer in relation to this charge from South Africa of genocide. Let me correct you. That is not what the ICJ said. The ICJ had no ruling with respect to content or merit. I said you had a case to answer. No, Uh, they said that that the court can discuss whether there was a violation or not. They were just analyzing. They will hear hear the case. Yes. They were analyzing. We're perhaps turning on the head of a pin here. They will hear a case in relation to this uh, allegation labelled South Africa of genocide on the part of Israel. But they also said that right now Israel should be doing everything in its power to prevent acts of genocide, to retain any uh, evidence that acts of genocide have taken place and to allow humanitarian relief for people in Palestine. This is a ruling rejected by Israel. No, we actually do that. We do that in the compliance under international law and we've done it with or without regards to the ICJ ruling. We will continue to do so. We will continue to forward and pass international humanitarian aid every day as we've done in the past. Hundreds of trucks go in every day. You can actually monitor it online. Ambassador, where thousands are needed, every humanitarian organization with any knowledge of what's going on in Gaza say say there is a desperate shortage of humanitarian aid. We said that we're willing that from our end we will not stop any aid going in. We're willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that more aid goes in. That means that the UN need to extend their hours and that means that they don't stop working at night. 
because right now this is what we've asked from the UN organizations and they have not... What they've also asked for is the, is the conditions in which to deliver that aid, which is a humanitarian ceasefire. And well, again, you done, refuse that. We've done tactical posit in the past in order to make sure. Can you really make sure that those trucks mm -hmm. go in? Because we have reports that Hamas is taking over the humanitarian aid in the north of Gaza. So you're not letting humanitarian aid of in, is that right? Of course we are. You are, but you said you're not because you're concerned that Hamas could be using we this cover to bring in. We are letting humanitarian aid in. Can you make sure that all the aid goes into the right hands? Can you make sure that it's not abused by Hamas? This is what we're asking, and this is what I think is missing when we talk about it. It's okay to criticize Israel, but what I ask the people listening at home, whenever you hear about this tragic war, and this is a tragedy, and no one else needs to die, are you also critical of Hamas? Are you also critical of the UN organizations on the ground who are so well, compromised I, I by Hamas. I know it's just for the record that Tanisha in his uh, state, written statement yesterday was critical of Hamas and called for the immediate release of all, yes, of all those hostages. Yes, and we appreciate so that. Are, that is a very just, firm... Just in relation to our Irish-Israeli relations, we had this recent row over the basketball teams, the Ireland-Israeli basketball fixture, and one of the Israeli um, basketball players described Ireland as a place that's quite anti-Semitic. Is she, is she correct? I think she might have been referring to the unconscious bias that there is sometimes against Israel. If we take, for example, this tragic war, most of the coverage, as I said, lets Hamas off the hook. I don't see them being held accountable for what they're doing. And as I said, obviously, criticizing Israel is not anti-Semitism. But when you delegitimize Israel, that is anti-Semitism. When you delegitimize the right of Israel to defend itself, that is anti-Semitism. Is that what the Irish government is doing? That is what we hear of some extreme voices are calling for. Some extreme here. government voices? Not in the, some, not in the government. Some politicians that are calling for a globalized intifada. Now, intifada is not just resistant. Intifada is a mass murder of people, as we experience in Israel, with suicide bombs going into buses, going into populated areas. So we are very concerned when we hear people here okay. call for a globalized intifada. All right, we'll leave it there, Ambassador. Thank you very much indeed uh, for speaking to us. Uh, Dana Ehrlich, Ambassador uh, of Israel to Ireland. Thank you.